and the difference between us and like the smartest chimpanzee is like <laughs> a fraction of one percent right and so if if all of the difference between us and a chimpanzee is contained in that fraction of one percent of dna difference mm-hmm. then it's hilarious to imagine the difference between us and something that's one percent more intelligent mm-hmm. than us the do less podcast today the long-awaited aliens episode (laughs) john give us your start bit what do you got for us all right well before we dive in i want to do a little bit of a uh uh i don't know kind of thought experiment or maybe some kind of uh i don't know what you call it maybe a game call it so let's start by asking you guys uh is the earth flat what would you say to that is this a trick? Uh, I would say just, no. It how is would not how flat. would you answer it? Just go, just go for it. What would you answer? Is the Earth flat? No, no, it's not flat. If I say that the Earth is flat, uh, would you say that I'm wrong? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Would I, would you say that if I say the Earth is flat, but I, in my opinion, and the Earth is not flat to you, and we can just agree to disagree? Would you agree to leave it there? Yeah, I would. You would leave it there and you'd let I me... Would leave, I, would, I would leave it there. <laughs> I would say I think you're wrong. It's silly for you to think that. And um, I'm good with not continuing this conversation. <laughs> so yes, I'd leave it there in that sense. Okay. What if I told you that I plan on traveling to or from the center of the Earth near the speed of light at some point? At which point, the at that point, the Earth, this the surface of the Earth, all of those points would actually approach a plane, to me, the observer, because as your <laughs> velocity approaches the speed of light, um, your the surface of the of the the plane, orthogonal to which or from which you're traveling, actually flattens to a a, a flat plane. Um, so if I, if I specify that my, my, my velocity in that scenario, would you then go ahead and say, would you grant it to me that the earth is flat to me and not to you? So to clarify, you're going away from the earth so fast that the light coming from the earth from your point of view is moving so slowly that it looks like a pancake. Uh, not even just the light, the, the space will act, the space that the earth occupies will actually flatten to a plane by my observation. Uh, according to the theory of relativity, so Understood. I just wanted to clarify. So the Earth, to me, would be be occupying a flat existence as as I near the speed of light. I would ask you, how did you get moving so fast, and share me your secrets? <laughs> well, that's a, I mean that's a fair question, but that's kind of a separate discussion. I, all I'm trying to say, so the point of this thought experiment is to, is to kind of show that um, simply answering a question when there's other assumptions that could be involved is uh, not sufficient in some cases. And we get so used to uh, conversing with each other with 
set assumptions just kind of baked in. And I mean, in this one, in this example, traveling near the speed of light is not possible to humans. So, but, but the thing is, it's not unimaginable or it is imaginable. So, um, but also that conversation would be really difficult because if you're traveling that fast in the time it takes me to like ask you, Oh yeah. Is the earth flat? You, that would be like three years for you. Yeah, you so really loud. <laughs> well, like I said, it, take, you'd have to wait conversation three could, years for my answer. Yeah. The conversation could have happened while we're both stationary, but I'm just saying the earth, I, I consider the earth to be flat because in the future, it, it, I'm just thinking about a point in the future. I don't know. Sometime when you saw it, it was flat, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Right. So all I'm trying to say, so op to open this episode about stuff that many people might you know, write off or consider to be not important. Um, if you just question the assumptions that you have, uh, a lot of times you can actually have much more productive conversations by uh, not, not stopping the conversation before it gets interesting. If you let the conversation get interesting by delving into what assumptions you can kind of unpack and analyze, then there's actually a lot of material to, to go on. John, did you just assume that conversation was interesting? <laughs> <laughs> Not at my speed. <laughs> no, no, that was a that was a good point. I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> um, what does this have to do with five G? <laughs> Jeff can only ask those questions because they're not getting it into his brain right now. <laughs> See, for our audio guys... listeners, Jeff has a tinfoil cap on. Oh yeah, this protects my brain from the 5G, um, which is making my co-hosts low IQ and unable to conceive of the possibility of aliens. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff, what is the deal with aliens? <laughs> I can't um, confirm that I'm not being controlled by aliens, but Jeff <laughs> clearly is not. So he's going to be the resident. He's going to be the resident expert. <laughs> uh, so I feel like this article kind of got buried um, in the news cycle last year. We never talked about it. I feel like a lot of people have not talked about it, but it it almost feels like a a monumental moment in history from from for me um because there was an article uh from the new york times that um stated that the pentagon confirmed um two videos taken by like infrared cameras aboard uh Navy pilots of these unidentified flying objects exhibiting really spectacular feats of um, like propulsion movement without any noticeable signs of propulsion that we would under recognize. And then this is also confirmed by multiple eyewitness accounts that were there that day. So I would say we're looking at if, if this was like a murder case, we there'd definitely be a conviction because you have video evidence, multiple credible eyewitnesses all coming forward to confirm there was this craft that exhibited 
phenomenal capabilities, like well, well beyond anything, at least that is common knowledge of the day. And it just kind of got lost in the news cycle. I feel like, I just feel like it wasn't made a big deal. Like not a lot of people talked about it. Some, many people did not even know about it. And it was like in the, in a, you know, legit paper, I'm very critical of the New York times, but it's, it is a legit, you know, um, outlet. And, um, uh, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I feel like I, I want to bring it up because this is a topic that has been so taboo. So like, if you even bring it up, everyone's like, you're, like you're crazy. You're this a weirdo. Talking about aliens. Yeah. yeah. You just, where's your tinfoil hat? And, uh, it's right here. Um, yeah. but I'll, <laughs> I'll make two points to that just to, I'll play devil's advocate here and play the mm -hmm. other side for a minute. Two things that, that come to mind for me when you explain it that way is that, like, number one, I mean, there's a lot of reasons people want to believe in aliens, right? There's a lot of, like, human bias that could go into people, you know, number one, it's a super interesting subject. Number two, people, like, want to believe in it. So if they can't explain something, often they like to say, you know, it was done by aliens, like the pyramids, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when trying to determine something that's, like, has such huge massive worldwide and scientific consequences of whether or not we've seen aliens on earth the the burden of proof shouldn't be that of uh you know criminal murder case where you need a murder where you need a you know eyewitnesses and like a data point and you know video camera evidence it should be held to the standard of evidence required by science to be determined you know what is and is in fact well, which is like a much higher bar I, I'm not claiming that we know for sure this was like aliens from another planet or anything or mm -hmm. I'm not I'm just saying we are pretty much positive that there is something in our airspace that is way beyond our technical at least common technical capabilities and no matter the explanation of that it's interesting. And that, that's all I'm saying is right. this issue deserves a lot of attention because at the very least, it's interesting. It, it, there's no way it's not interesting. And yet, I mean, there is definitely interest in it, but it, it, it yeah. feels to me that it's, um, I don't know, it's just not a, it's not a highly talked, talked about topic. No, I agree. I, th I think two things to that point. Uh, I think you agree that just because we have something we can't explain, you know, a UFO first word is unidentified because mm -hmm. we don't know what it is doesn't mean we should jump to the conclusion that it's aliens but that does beg the question of well then what is it mm -hmm. um and you know if it's something that some other human military has that's an equally interesting and also a huge problem for us right? right so that's what comes to mind for me when i'm like okay well that doesn't mean it's aliens well yeah but then what is it and to your point it at the very least uh it should uh, warrant a lot more investigation and should, you know, be a bigger topic of conversation. Which makes uh, me wonder, do you think the military is much more seriously investigating those cases because it's a national security risk? Yeah, so, I mean, I covered the article very loosely at first. Um, I encourage you to look it up. It's like, in, it's probably, if you like New York Times aliens, it's probably like, early I'll ufos it. it's probably like the first thing that will come up uh we'll link that down in the show notes um <laughs> but uh it's 
just a few more details. So there's this guy, um, Commander Fravor, and he had a wingman man with him. And then there's another... A oh, wingman. Wingman, wingwoman, actually. Um, and then <laughs> there was another guy, I forget his name. It was like Commander something or other, uh, that actually captured the video. So Fravor was the first one to witness it. And he has like a whole story he's told on like Joe Rogan... Lex Fridman, he's been on. He's been on the History Channel show, Unidentified. He's been all over the place, and he seems like a it's credible not the guy. guy. From the meme that's like aliens. No, it's not that. It's not that, that, it's right not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been like he's like a Navy pilot for eighteen years. You know, it's like just very normal dude, and then no real interest in the subject until he encountered that thing, and he's like experienced. You know, he's he's been flying planes for eighteen years. He's not gonna. Unless there's a really, really rare, some sort of natural phenomenon, like it's not like a cloud or something like that. You know, he's, he's experienced enough to know what he's looking at. And then you back that up with the fact that, that like some of the best instrumentation we have out there um, was captured it on, you know, their flare cameras, which are like infrared cameras. Uh, there's really no mistaking it. There's, there, there was a craft of some sort um, doing very spectacular things like traveling at 10 times the speed of sound, making right angle turns, uh, exhibiting no exhaust or significant heat signature. It was a cylindrical shape, so it had no like wings or anything. So just it, it defies all cursory knowledge of like propulsion because everything we know about propulsion is you have to push ag against some sort of mass and send it behind you to send you forward. That's the only way we know how to propel things. Mm -hmm. And this thing seemingly is not doing that, as far as we can tell. Um, and so, like you said, Dale, if it's not an alien or whatever, if it's, I don't know, Russia or China or something like that, that's probably more terrifying, <laughs> honestly. For sure. Because um, that means they're so far ahead of us militarily. Or if it's our own military and it's like, some super secret, top secret program. That also bothers me a little bit because I don't like, even if it's our military, I'm not comfortable with our military being that powerful because I don't think our military is very responsible. Mm -hmm. So it, I don't know, it poses a lot of interesting questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's one thing that's kind of an interesting case to consider would be it's like, why isn't there any, you know, push from the government or from the military to investigate? It's like, one, it's like, well, what would they do to investigate? It's not like you put out, yeah. you put out like uh, cookies at night and hopefully the alien craft comes out <laughs> and gets them and uh, <laughs> you can catch, catch them on video. Um, but the other thing is maybe there's no interest in kind of pursuing it because it's like they they do understand what it is or they do have a baseline to go on with someone like Bob Lazar who is supposedly a whistleblower for the like area 51 operations where supposedly there are alien craft that we have and we're dissecting currently um, and we have references to go off of of what the technology is and what it does um, uh, if that's the case, then the government's not going to be like, oh, let's uh, let's go, you know, investigate or do it. Cause it's like, well, we know what that is. We have that, and we're working mm -hmm. on trying to right. replicate that. Um, 
But, but I guess the thing, I, I, as I'm talking, I guess I realize you, you, there would be some kind of like just like show, like play investigation. Like, oh, we got to find out what that is. We don't know what it is. Well, there's some merit to that argument because so ATIP was part of that disclosure thing. That was the Pentagon's and aerial. Uh, I forget what both A's stand for, but it was like aerial threat identification program. It had two A's, but um, something like that. And that was headed up by this guy, Lou Elizondo, who has, was part of that disclosure and resigned as the leader of that program. And his argument is the government's not putting enough. So it, that program only got like 22 million in funding, which sounds like a lot, but as far as the government's concerned, that's really not that much. Um, and so his sort of argument that he's going on like kind of like the campaign trail for is the government needs to take this way more seriously and put way more funding into this, which obviously I'm generally skeptical of, just putting more dollars into something. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, if, he, if you treat his sort of intentions as honest, um, he's gotten some data that he finds compelling, whether it's just the one case that's... I would say there's really only, like, one really credible case, and it's this one that we're talking about because it has both witness and video of like the same event. Um, and there's not good explanations of something else it could be. A lot of the other cases that like both have witness and video, there's not enough data to like really say it's something highly unusual, right? It could just be somewhat unusual. Um, and so I'd say this is a kind of the most compelling case uh, to me. And so if he's, you know, if he knows additional information and he's like, you know, we just need to study this more because it's a threat because, you know, uh, we got stuff in our airspace that we can't compete with. Um, then, you know, maybe there's more to this. But I, I'd actually like to go through essentially when you're faced with very little information, but there's like a seed of something interesting. I like to kind of go through what are like all the reasonable pop, pop, uh, explanations and then sort of assigning probability in sort of like descending order. Mm -hmm. uh, and then like, I think that is like helpful um, to sort of put a framework around it. And so, I mean, like I'll just go one explanation would be what, like we said, it is something made by man and it's just a really well-kept secret. But the reason I would put that under low probability is because, one, I don't think the government's that competent. Um, I don't think it's able to just get light years ahead of anything that's on the private market. And then also keep it a secret. Like, this is one of the best kept secrets ever, if that's the case. And then on top of that, um, why, you know, why would they test it? in front of a bunch of military personnel to witness and then potentially disclose. It just doesn't, it seems like they're trying to leak it. And is why would they do it? That doesn't make sense to me. Why wouldn't they just keep it a secret? Um, oh, to your point, maybe they're just incompetent. Right, but if they're but, that incompetent, how are they able to keep it such a good secret and also build something so incredible? Right. So it's just weirdly a little bit leaked. 
Right. <laughs> if they did. Yeah. And if it's like, yeah. I don't know, same if it's some other country, it's the same thing. It's it, Whether it's the U.S. or not, it's the same sort of problem. Right. Um, so that just seems like an unlike, unlikely explanation is that there's just the secret. It's not impossible, but I would actually, I might put that at one of the lower probability explanations for it. So I don't know yeah. if you guys have any potential explanations. I don't. I think uh, the big question that comes to mind, obviously, is like, you know, was there in fact some physical object m moving at these sorts of speeds and changing directions to a, a speed and degree that we are not capable of doing, you know, and the que obviously comes into question whether or not that's verifiable fact or not, but uh, there's really only like two questions, like, is it in fact that what I just described? Uh, if not, you know, who knows, could be like a glare on their fucking, you know, windshield, right? But um, if it is that, then I think to your, I think we all kind of agree it's something we can't explain right now, and therefore we have to look for the most likely explanations. And right. the only real two possibilities are that it's military or that it is an alien, and, you know, or alien-made. And so that's kind of what we're left with. I think. Oh, but there's so point. much more, Dale. Go on. <laughs> Tell me well, more. Like you said, yeah, it is possible that the data is misinterpreted. Um, right. That is always a possibility. I would also put that at a low probability because you have many veteran people here, both eyewitness and interpreting their machines. They just, it, and, and the period at which they observed it was like a whole day. It wasn't like just like in and out and then right. they never, it was like a whole day they were observing this thing. So when you put that, like the, all that sort of pieces together, the probability that this is just like some misinterpreted data point um, I put that pretty low as well. Um, the probability that this is some sort of natural phenomenon, um, like something like weather or something like that, that seems unlikely to me as well. Cause again, they observed like a solid object and they caught it like a physical sort you can see it on the floor. It's like, it's a contained thing. It's not like a cloud or something like that. Um, so again, I think it is some sort of craft. It is like, it is a thing. Uh, and then if it's unlikely that the military, anyone's military is just light years ahead of like the private market. Um, again, I think that's um, another reason I think that's unlikely is because innovation tends to happen incrementally. Um, there's almost like no examples of just like someone making an invention and just like, boom, like it's available to everyone and it's like awesome and it's amazing. And it does all these things like generally progress happens incrementally. And so that means they would have to have kept many incremental inventions hidden. Like, you know, it, sure. it, it's not like, it's, it's not like this is just, uh, you know, the bone arrow right. 20 years <laughs> before the village over from you. Right. Or, or and guns it's, 50 well, and it's not I like push it, back on that. Cause it's not like it's, they, they witnessed some kind of craft that was propulsion, the, the, the propulsion magnitude was, you know, orders of magnitude greater than what we've seen. It's not like it's a better mousetrap. It's a different No, physical. it is orders of magnitude. It accelerates. Because no, 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 it's not, because it's not like it's, it's not, um, it's not it's like not it's got. It's not the same thing, but better. It's, it's, it's not the same different. thing, but better. It's a different thing. 
Oh, I see what you're saying. So, so it's, it's not, a different kind. Yeah, like the sure. like on the battlefield, if if you were you, you had no comprehension of what a gun was, and then you showed up with your like sticks and rocks, and then they shot you, you'd be like, you're like, damn, their their bows and arrows go a lot right. faster. But, it's right, not that. Like, it's that right, but energy. also think about like going from the bow and arrow to like the musket. The bow and arrow was kind of better, actually. Like the first gun. The bow and mm -hmm. arrow was like better than that. It took like a while for guns okay. to get better. That's interesting. And so, sure. like for it to be at the point where it's at, where it's just flying circles yeah. around our top pilots in the country, that's like a lot of progress happening in, in secret, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and they have so part of the guy team that like leaked this has um, like the chief engineer of the Skunk Works uh, division of Lockheed Martin. And they developed the SR-71, which basically holds all the records for, like, a plane. Like, it's the best plane ever invented. And so the guy that engineered that is, like, he's like, I don't know what this is. And that was a top-secret, like, program, Skunk Works. So he's familiar with, like, classified projects. He worked on one of the most, like, amazing pieces of technology in military history in a top-secret program. And he's just... He's like, yeah, I have, I have no clue what that is. So that to me is interesting. Um, and then, okay, so <laughs> I think that before we get to the alien explanation, though, I still think there's some more possible explanations. This could be disinformation, right? It could be an organized disinformation campaign where Fravor's in on it, the other eyewitnesses in on it, the footage is fabricated, they bring in people who. They, you know, they just put like a job opening out there and if people go, I don't want to do this, then they know that's not their puppet to spread the information. But whoever signs up is like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, they're fooled by it. So, that, you know, you just fabricate the evidence. Then you put someone on it to investigate and just let them do all the work for you. That's a possible explanation. I personally don't think that's likely, but it's, um, it's another thing that's on the table, I think. Yeah, it seems more elaborate. likely, but... Right, like, that seems tough. almost more elaborate um, than it's actually real technology. Um, and then, um, finally, you get the alien explanation. <laughs> and to me, I'm biased. I'll be, honest. I'll be straight up biased. I'm wearing a tinfoil hat. I okay. think the idea... That's supposed to protect of... you from bias. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I think the idea of like intelligence coming from other worlds is one of the most intriguing uh, concepts to me. Just uh, just from like if I were to study anything, I, I feel like that that would be it. Like oh, alien civilization. Uh, that's just like I would want to learn all the differences. You know, Absolutely. do they have DNA? It's just so interesting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think uh, everyone's interested in that, hence the mm -hmm. endless movies and whatnot about it. Um, but yeah, I would like to, now that we've explained like the kind of current events on mm -hmm. uh, the world of aliens, I'd kind of like to like, take a step back and talk about like just like thought experiment reasoning on like probability of aliens existing period. I think that's mm -hmm. something you guys probably know like a good bit about, but I think... Um, 
Maybe we should explain like what's called the Fermi paradox to people, mm-hmm. which is correct me if I'm wrong, but it's essentially like knowing the size of the universe, um, in which if you ever you hear one of those examples where they like zoom out of Earth and, and describe, you know, how mm. many, you know, millions of uh, stars are, billions or billions of stars are around the galaxy, how many billions of galaxies are around the universe. It's if you assign a non-zero probability to the existence of, you know, life on a planet, which we have one example of here, then there's a guarantee that there's like alien life out there somewhere. And so, and in fact, there should be many, many, many cases of it. And so the Fermi paradox asks the question of, you know, despite that fact, why have we not seen any evidence of life out there in the universe? But haven't we? <laughs> but haven't we, Jeff might say. So, um, not a so, paradox. <laughs> yeah, right. So, <laughs> so why don't we explain, like, kind of, I think it'd be helpful to just think through, like, you know, is it possible that there are, that we are the only ones in the universe? seems improbable but could that be possible if so you know how would that be possible um you know and what are the kind of where can we bracket the possibilities of life in the universe yeah so there's there's something called the drake equation which essentially takes a bunch of probabilities together and multiplies them and then the end result is the probability of intelligent life Mm. um and so first probability is like our first number is how many stars are there and then it's like okay how many stars of those stars how many have uh planets uh and how many plants are in the habitable zone right and then etc cetera, etc cetera. and you you narrow it down to like a certain number of objects that you think could create life there's a lot of assumptions in there about how life can begin and then ultimately you need to multiply by some probability of the inception of life, which we know nothing about. You know, we have one data point, so we, that number, the problem with the Drake equation, in my opinion, is that one number defines the whole equation. Because if that probability is just so insanely low that, you know, you'll get from carbon soup to, you know, some sort of single cell organism, then it's possible that we are the most unlikely thing that could have ever happened. And the universe probably would only manifest one life form or like the expected value of a universe is less than one life form. And we could even be a defiance of even the lowest probability. That's entirely possible. If there was like intelligent design. Right. It seems, you know, highly improbable that if life, if our universe was fit for life, that there would only be one source of it. Right. That's sample size. Well, so that relies on sort of, it's not actually anything you can prove, but it's sort of like a razor uh, in the sense of the assumption that you're towards the skew of a distribution is um, generally a bad assumption, right? Like if you were just to guess something about your house, am I the most athletic? Am I the most handsome, the most smart? You should probably guess no. You should probably guess you're somewhere in the middle because that's just probability so we should guess in general we are just average uh as far as planets go right i mean speak for yourself on those issues but, uh, <laughs> the gaston um, <laughs> yeah. but there is actually one problem with that razor as well is we are asking the questions 
So if you're saying, what is the probability there is intelligent life? Well, an intelligent life form is asking that question. Right. So it's sort of circular in that logic. So I don't know. There's a whole lot of issues with even this thought experiment. Yeah. I, I think another problem with the Fermi paradox is, which we kind of reference, is, is the point that it, it makes the assumption that we haven't seen life. Right. right. And even just saying that fact, you have to ask yourself, okay, well, well where have you looked? How have you looked? <laughs> Right, and if you if you ever you know look into in what ways have we studied, you know whether or not there are life on other planets. It's like have we you know we've sent out radio waves and no one responded in our mm -hmm. you know very local area. Right, uh, you know, or they responded a, to it in a way that's uncomprehensible by us. Right, right. And so what I think is really you know interesting to ask yourself here is um, if someone was like even at the nearest star over a mm -hmm. planet orbiting the nearest possible star to our star. They could have sent us, you know, radio waves when we were had the Holy Roman Empire. Right. And we wouldn't have noticed. So right. at that point, like, we could be sending radio waves to the next star over, who's like in their Holy Roman Empire stage. They could be like a very developed, and smart civilization, and still not have the ability to detect the signals that we're trying to send out there. So right. Like the way that we're looking is such a specific bandwidth that like we're looking for someone who you know, uses the same mediums of communication as us. And that's our way of saying, oh, no, there's no intelligent life out there. And they also have to have... sending the radio waves to them, we're sending 5G radio waves to ourselves and giving, <laughs> a, giving each other coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. And another issue is, Amazing. like, there's this... They need to be, like, congruent with us in terms of technology and... Oh their perception of time. So if they are orbiting a much more massive star and they're, they're in a much deeper gravity well, their perception of time is much different from ours. Mm -hmm. And so our signals may be very incoherent for them to perceive or difficult. It, it, may, it may be very difficult for us to understand each other's signals because our perception of time is very different. Um, and sure. so that causes a lot of problems as well. Jeff, what's the paradox you were telling me about a while ago that was like um, a, a certain point a culture develops like nuclear weapons and then like... That's, that's the Fermi paradox. That's the Fer is that still Fermi paradox? Right. So they, there's this concept of filters, right? So let's say life, there, you could place the filter of, you know, why haven't we observed alien life anywhere, right? So this, the, the first starting point is the first thing I mentioned was maybe life is just very low probability of happening. So if that, pro if that low probability happens before the inception, then it's going to be very rare, okay? Maybe it's not there. We've yet to identify if that's the case or not. If we found like my microbial life on Mars, we could rule that out, right? Because it's the probability that there's only two and they're right next to each other seems unlikely. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So we could probably rule that out. Okay, so let's push the filter a little bit farther up uh, and say, okay, life develops, but it going from chimpanzees to humans, there's some sort of step there that's really unlikely, right? Because we look on Earth and there's only one species that really does anything that we sort of do. Anything you know, there's cool. No, right, like yeah. there's no... Actually, that's not true. A lot of animals do some really neat... Cool all right, but dolphins don't have submarines and chimpanzees don't have, uh, you know, cars. So, like, you know, we're, we're doing a lot more interesting stuff than the other animals. Um, That's debatable. <laughs>
<laughs> but the, the the intelligence that we're talking about is yeah, no, right. rather than just biological, biologically right. interesting things you're going right. with. Yeah. So it, there could be a filter there as well. Um, again, we don't know because we have no idea of what's the probability of going to chimpanzee to human. Um, we just don't know. Uh, and then there's another place you can put a filter, which is, you know, when you're as intelligent of us, you sort of create existential risk for yourself, like climate change, uh, nuclear war, um, just all sorts of existential risk. Also, if there's just a long period of time that this all takes, you know, there's some probability you get hit by an asteroid or solar flare or, yeah. you know, you know, just gamma ray burst or something that just wipes you out in the meantime. And so, you know, that could be, again, low probability of surviving all those things. And then if you survive all those sort of filters uh, and you finally get into space, um, something interesting happens. So if you, if, even if all those things are really low probability, if you can become an interstellar species, you can now sort of do very exponential colonization of the galaxy. Once you can get from one star system to the next, it should only take under in the ballpark of tens of thousands of years to inhabit every solar system in the galaxy because you can have insanely exponential growth, right? So if you go to the 10 nearest star systems and they go to the 10 nearest star systems and they go, to, it's you're done pretty quickly. So if crossing those barriers are possible, there should be some sort of galactic civilization, you know, and we, sh we should have seen them, you know, if, if all those things were surmountable. Because if it's, if it's surmountable once, then they're just sticking around, you know? It's not like the whole galaxy would get wiped out. We would, we would, have, act we would have been able to actually observe an event that could have caused that. We, we have not, you know? And the, well, the interesting point that I think you posited to me the last time you explained that to me it's like if if the if it is a matter of being a filter at some point it's like at what point is it because right then we know that humans aren't going to get to that point <laughs> we're going to be subject to that filter and it's just gonna be like right. what is it just like too many nuclear weapons are adequate for just like a carelessness that allows for the destabilization civilization right and so it's like kind of it's a that's actually a very interesting question because that goes away that takes the question of are there aliens and it actually points it right back at us and it's like well if there aren't why aren't we about you yeah you know, why yeah. aren't we the aliens it's like right, right. So it's like why are what why won't we become the aliens to some yeah. other it's like what's gonna put us back into our our place and so right. to summarize like it looks like nobody has no one anywhere on any you know sun in our galaxy has developed life to the point that it, it could travel into an, in an interstellar way we we are on a track to someday be able to do that so it appears that everyone else got stopped somewhere between where we are now and where we're headed and doesn't seem like they ever got there so what's going to stop us and what's going to happen to us because mm -hmm. right we're headed I, in the same direction i think the most disturbing thing we could find is that we turn over a rock in on Mars and we find there's microbial life there mm. or even fish in the underground lakes. And then we find out that this UFO case was nothing. It, it wasn't aliens. 
that would tell us, okay, we seem pretty alone here, but life is incredibly probable to mm -hmm. happen. That's mm -hmm. the scariest case, right? Because that, that basically means doom for us. Because what's our probability of... We're not a particularly old planet, or old species for that matter. Um, right. Earth has had many extinction events in its history. So it, like, the probability that we're going to be first... That's no good. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say that's worst case scenario. I'd say best case scenario is we find life on Mars and we find out that, you know, this little UFO has some little green men in it and it came from <laughs> some solar system. And, and then we know it's like it's all good. And, you know, like yeah. it's pretty probable mm -hmm. that we'll be all right. Uh, but there's no way to know. And that the green men are down to party. <laughs> <laughs> I think... But I th the thing I would like to know most about aliens is do they think farts are funny? Because I think then I, I think they're pretty cool. Then we can know if we can relate. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I also just want to point out to some, something that someone, a listener may be wondering to themselves is, you know, is there a possibility that, um, you know, interstellar travel and travel within a galaxy becomes possible and, you know, 50% of the other galaxies have the ability to do this or have species that can do this and we're just going to be the first one in our galaxy. Is that possible? I think what you might say is that the sample size of our galaxy is large enough, uh, large enough to say that someone else should have already been there. And if not, right. it's not a good sign for us. Right. Um, but can I, I don't know. Can I ask, or can I, uh, say what something that's interesting to me about the alien question and it's like all right so what's the what's the what's the applicable steps to take it's like assume that an alien encounter happens at some point it's like well break it down like we encounter an alien that is completely has nothing to offer to us and is not really coherent in a way that's interesting it's like all right well Assume that life doesn't really change much at that point, other than be like, oh, that's a cool little looking thing or whatever. It's similar to like if we find life in the deep, deep ocean, or when we do, like when we do find new species in the deep ocean, it's like, oh, well, like look at look at that thing. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's cool. interesting, regardless. interesting, yeah. but it's like, so in that case scenario, you don't have to prepare for anything. It's just like a cool encounter. Then there's an encounter where it's like, the alien is just so far superior to us that's like. It doesn't even interact with us in a way that like or it does interact with us and it's just so much so far superior there's nothing we can really do to offer to it so it's just either helps us a great deal at which point we didn't really have to prepare for or it just wipes us out or exterminates us which we can't really prepare for so there's like a bunch of scenarios that could happen that you can't really prepare for it's not really useful to prepare for so it's like the two remaining are like the aliens are like more on our level and we can either fight with them or we can either trade with them or we can trade with them or learn yeah. from well, them, you know. Let's let's do a fun experiment. Let's assume this Nimitz case with the David Fravor was an alien. Let's just say it wasn't an AI. It it was like a biological thing in that craft from a different solar system. We're not going to get too weird with it say it was from a different dimension or Whatever, we'll just say different solar system, alien came here, okay? Let's let's play with the idea along the lines that John was just talking about, where it was like, 
Why are they here? What could they want from us? What should we do about that? Mm -hmm. Go. <laughs> I think the interesting thing to me is kind of actually along the lines of what we already do. It's like, well, we don't know their language. They don't know our language. Maybe or you know, maybe any any of that could happen. You know, any kind of communication that that could or could not happen. It's like, well, what's the first step to trying to communicate with uh, with an organism you know nothing about? It's like, well, mm -hmm. you got to boil down what you know to like the most natural fundamental char characteristics of what knowledge is in our universe and it's like display that we recognize those and display that we can like you take advantage of those so for example those radio signals that we send out to mm -hmm. just space to just see what happens it's like we send like the golden ratio and like the and pi mm -hmm. right and um it'd be cool if we sent like apple pie we just like <laughs> just send it on the, like and they're the like, rovers. this shit's delicious. Just in case they have like a these glucose. These guys aren't so bad. <laughs> yeah. They have a like glucose sensor, so we make sure to put pie on our Mars rover so that if they ever... <laughs> Here's a pie. But, um... Everyone knows aliens are celiac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, is this gluten? What are these guys from 20... 2010? <laughs> that shit will um... kill you. <laughs> and... Uh... I... Yeah, we could we just like boil it down to like just prime numbers and stuff that we like know it's like very interesting or like put farts and stuff like it's like <laughs> this is funny this equally is intelligent thing we've boiled down humor like, into like get it guys yeah. this is the simplest form of humor is like i what is the simplest sound you could make that's funny it has to be a fart there's Easy, nothing easily. that's like easily. a smaller sound bit that's funnier than that yeah oh obviously not um, <laughs> I'd like to pose another uh, possible scenario. Let's say, why is this unlikely, or is it a possibility that there's a number of uh, space-faring species of aliens that have the ability to, you know, go look at a bunch of different planets? It's but it's costly to get there rather than you know look through their version of a telescope, mm -hmm. um, and they see biological life transform through different stages uh, in a number of different planets and ours being one of them and on all of those planets some version of of humans or what looks like us you know is is so similar to us that uh that's just known to be a stage of intelligent life before it gets to where they are now and they look at all of these different examples of life out there and they kind of just stay hands off for the most part like humans looking uh, at it through animals in a zoo and they want to keep it natural, keep it wild. You know, it's like the safari mm -hmm. and they've had contact with a number of different, you know, versions of intelligent life form, the way that we've studied like a specific anthill, mm -hmm. but we haven't, but, had con but we haven't had contact with 99% of anthills out there right. and 99% of anthills out there have no sign of humans existing. So yeah. is it a possibility that we just live amongst these creatures and, you know, they're looking out at us and they've studied enough of us that we are uninteresting to them because we're one of a million versions of intelligent life that look like us? I would say that's definitely a possibility um, because we have scientists that will go study geckos in the rainforest, mm -hmm. but they don't know every gecko personally and right. not every gecko knows of them. But the one that encountered it kind of does, you know? Um, yeah. And so it could be that 
you know, they've studied us like a zoo. Right. Um, and only a few people have encountered them. But I think that possibility is becoming increasingly... Well, that's not exactly what I meant. What, oh. I, what, I, what I meant is there, there may be... They're not even intervening. There's, mil- there's millions of planets that have versions of humans. Oh, and so look they're at- looking at a different planet, not necessarily ours. Exactly. And, th- and sure. we are just one of, a, of you know, right. millions of planets that look like ours, and they've studied right. enough to know that we're just one of them. I would also add to that that there seems to be... the re- I would give that even more credence because there, are, there do seem to be convergences in, or convergences in evolution, right? So... There's two different kinds of things, right? Like, so you can have chaos, right? Where you give like an initial condition and then it's just like, could be any possibility, right? Evolution can be like that. So it could, it could completely depend, be very sensitive to initial conditions and many other things. And right. it just goes for random. Yeah. And right. in that case, probably every planet would be interesting because every single one would be wildly different. But let's say that's not right. the case. It's more along your case. Uh, there's some evidence to that because eyes, so like our eyes, Mm-hmm. These things have developed from independent points in evolution, right? So it's not that there's one okay. branch where eyes were developed and everything mm-hmm. with eyes comes down from there. Actually, right. there are many par- uh, parallel branches where eyes developed later on. And so that leads credence to that there is some sort of convergent, you know, best form. Yeah. Right, exactly. Mm. Which is just based, which is in many ways just based on the laws of physics, right? Right. Just the fact that light exists and you detect it—that's true everywhere in the universe, you know. Right. For the sound and gravity, you know, you know affects your tra- you know ability to trans to transport yourself, whatever. Right, and like locomotion, yeah, only can really happen with limbs. Like you can't you can't have biological wheels because that requires like separate parts. Right. So it's like, you know, there's just very basic sort of things um, that are kind of common throughout evolution. Um, John, it looked like you wanted to add to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so uh, to ex- the extent that that's true, that it's also possible that the aliens, well, to, to kind of engage with that thought experiment, the, the aliens might not even like recognize that, oh, oh that's, hu- that's human, or that's Homo erectus, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Whatever. They would be like, there's a chance that they like consider that like that that so oh that solar solar system has a uh, non uh, non homogeneous uh, non homogeneous like bipedal stage two intelligent life forms something that's like no 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 so like this the solar system has like a concentration of entropy that's being preserved at a rate that's this mm-hmm. you know entropy over time it's like yeah oh they can point to our solar system and another solar system that's like completely different in a lot of ways but it's like oh they're at this level of informational decay mm. over time or, or like ri- random mm. events versus you know pointed events somehow like some kind of metric like that that they like it they could just like look and be like oh like that's just oh they're only still they're only transmitting farts at that stage it's like <laughs> we're, we're over at like <laughs> we're over you know doing something where we're preserving entropy at like some kind of massive order of magnitude yeah these yeah. guys aren't even wearing tinfoil hats yet. Yeah, they don't <laughs> they're, understand. They're still using gluten. We've evolved five <laughs> Earth years beyond that stage. They're so, yeah. not, worth so the, basic. not worth interacting with them. <laughs> um, Let's talk about... I would um, say... Or you had something. Wait, yeah. Uh, to disagree with that, or 
bring up another possibility. Um, I, I would say since humans are not that old, but we're getting pretty close to making trips to other planets, and then it's not a far leap to, say, you know, other stars from there. Um, I mean, it's significantly harder to get other stars, but I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things, that's the next step after other planets. Um, it could be that we're actually, we are some standard deviation above the norm in intelligence and that an alien, you know, race comes here and they're much more advanced, uh, but they're actually dumber than us. And so we could actually sort of be a valuable resource to us, to them, if they, you know, work with us. Like, it, it, think of it, another way to think about it is Isaac Newton is way smarter than all of us, but we know a bunch of stuff that he doesn't know. If we could hand him relativity, he might do so much with that, you know? And so mm -hmm. I, I would not rule that out as a possibility, in all honesty. Um, you know, that seems like totally plausible. Um and as far as we're concerned as a race, like we, we trade with even less intelligent or similar intelligent creatures like dogs when we were evolving. They're not as smart as us, but we would trade with them. So like, I think intelligence is a really valuable resource probably. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I was going with, with what I was saying about the interesting thing to think about is like, what can we boil down knowledge to? Mm -hmm. And what can we boil down value and information to, to be the most, like, it's like step one, okay, we identify like very interesting things, you know, in, and we're able to do that. And then step two, it's like, what can we offer that? Like to be able to like say objectively, what can we offer a society? And like, what can we communicate about our society that's, that we do well and what do we need? You know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like understanding that would be like very valuable to, to like, opening communications with a life form that we have not a lot of knowledge about. Right. And also like humans, the average human doesn't understand the cell phone, right? Or no one really right. does all of it, right? Like there are some people who understand parts of it really well, but no one really could make one from scratch. And that's because we have lots and lots of people who are smart and specialized. And so even if we're not nearly as smart as them, I still think there's a way we could potentially like trade with them. Um, especially if we could get to a point where we do understand uh, their technology a little bit better. Um, and also, um, like, even if I, I don't, a lot of people have this idea that like, oh, if an alien civilization came to our solar system, They'd be so advanced that, you know, they'd be like gods. But I don't really imagine you'll ever get to a place where it's like, there's no more problems left to solve. You know, like, like it's just it. Like, they've solved everything. You know, I, I, at that point, what's there really left to do? It, it almost seems like a meaningless existence. And why, why even keep exploring? Why do, why do anything at all? Like, I feel like there's got to be something they're still interested in doing. And, it, you know, maybe it is possible that there's no way we could help them with it, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. We could at least start doing some bioengineering to make some people that could help them, you know? Or, you know? I, I just feel like there's got to be... If we can even conceive of the possibility of, like, 
trade or technology. I feel mm-hmm. like there's something, you know? Right. Yeah, and the kind of scary, scary or like not good part is like the idea of if we, if you came upon like some species of whatever, you know, insect that could provide silk or whatever, you know, some kind of thing that you could use, but the species had like infighting and it was like so unproductive at making silk because every single little bit of resource that exists, the insect or the worm, whatever spends 90% of its resources, like fighting another worm before (laughs) utilizing the resource. The person, like the, the entity going in to like potentially trade with that insect would just be like, okay, they have no, off- they're actually not very valuable, you know, or whatever. They, they can't offer much because they're so inefficient. It's like, mm-hmm. almost like you gotta, <laughs> I don't know. It, it just makes you think like about efficiency in a way that like, if you were really to provide value for something, it's like, you gotta be able to take what you have and present it in a way that is valuable to someone else and not spend resources unproductively right. almost right so even if even if we provide value in a way that like bees provide value to us might not be the best existence if like the only way we still exist is in like the hives to created by aliens to make whatever juices they wanted from us right that's that's sort of another thing is if they're significantly more advanced it could be our existence is in service of whatever they want, not what we want, right? Like in some sense, you trade with a cow, right? You feed it, you shelter it, you medicate it, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and you, you know, you get its milk, but ultimately you're going to kill that cow and eat it. <laughs> so like, there's like a Twilight episode mm-hmm. about that right. Twilight Zone episode where, you know, these aliens show up and they're like, oh, we love you. You're great. Come with us. And we, they have this book to serve man and they can't read it because it's like, a different language and they think it's like they're here right. to serve man but it's really like a cookbook and you know it it's dangerous <laughs> to sort of assume they have the best intentions for us because yeah i don't think it's safe for a cow to assume we have the best intentions for it um so that, right. i think that's but it, you know, is, it, is it better that that humans exist at all or is it better that they is it right they exist at all and be slaves to, to aliens or or you know get wiped out and go extinct that is sort of a good question right is like is it better for cows to go extinct or is it better for them to be hamburgers i don't know i can't i've never asked a cow i don't know how to so um you know i don't i don't know the answer (laughs) but also if the cow could answer would we listen i don't think we would you know very good listeners But another, what I was trying to get at kind of is like Jordan Peterson has this thing like clean your room first before you try to change the world. It's like you can't really make a positive impact on others or for the greater society until you're like get your own shit together. Like you got to kind of mm-hmm. focus on yourself and get your own life in order before you can really add much add enough value to other people. And it's like what I mean by that is like as a society, we got to get our shit together mm-hmm. before we can even offer this like if someone comes to us and we're like trying to be valuable to them and it's like well you can't provide any value you don't know what you don't know how to run a society <laughs> it's just like yeah makes you think yeah i'm honestly though i'm optimistic about human nature 
I, I think most people are good, and then there's a few bad people who take advantage of the, a bunch of people. Um, and so I would Although, say if we well, had... Let me, yeah. Can I just... So sure. human nature is... If I agree with you, human nature is good in that way, but that doesn't necessarily mean... That's like a micro view of human nature. There's also like a macro view of like the kind of saying, it's like weak men make hard times, hard time makes strong men, strong men make good times good times make weak men so it's like those good those men might have good nature and they might be nice to each other but it's just like we might be caught in this macro cyclical like you know sure um but what i was leaning to was you were talking about like lots of infighting between people uh, but i think that's sort of just kind of like a game theory problem where it's like we know there's bad people um and so we have this sort of game theory government type situation where it's like, we can't just completely get rid of our military because we know other countries will not, right? And so it, it's, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't allow you to be, the fact that there are any bad people means we all need to be a little bit bad, you know? But if there was some sort of alien civilization, it just, I think it swings that game theory in such a large direction, whether they're a threat or not, it's just suddenly like you have this human perspective mm -hmm. and we got to figure out what we need to do, what we have to offer from our global perspective and deal with them because it's, it's no longer super relevant between us because either positive or negative, this thing is a much larger value than mm -hmm. relations between nations or whatever. All right. Yeah. So the aliens will make us all play nicely so we can... Not necessarily, but guy. at least focus on something potentially more important than like how to build more nukes, unless that's how you beat the aliens. I think that isn't that how they beat Independence Day. I haven't seen yeah, it, but that seems it. like the likely yeah. answer. I think they just like nuke the mothership or something like that. Yeah, like what's our best technology? Okay, let's 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 make that enough for the movie. <laughs> just like back in the day, like when you know europeans were showing up with guns they made there's like a movie about they shoot an arrow in the boat and the boat explodes <laughs> it's like yeah. that's the equivalent that'll do <laughs> it's like got him but yeah. yeah i don't it doesn't seem to work out well on our planet when like higher technological beings encounter lower yeah, ones it's, it's generally not yeah not, <laughs> not a good thing Hey, what other uh, fun thought experiment? I think this was like Neil deGrasse Tyson walked through this bit. Mm -hmm. He talked about the um, the difference in genetic code between us and other species on Earth, and you know how very similar they are. And so, if you calculate, if you use that as uh, the way that you measure difference in intelligence between species, like the the difference between us and a banana, like we share like fifty percent of the same DNA or something like that. And the difference between us and like the smartest chimpanzee is like <laughs> a fraction of one percent. Right. And so if if all of the difference between us and a chimpanzee is contained in that fraction of one percent of DNA difference, mm -hmm. then it's hilarious to imagine the difference between us and something that's one percent more intelligent mm -hmm. than us. Right. Right. Then like the smartest ape is you know, maybe like doing finger painting, you know, with their hands, which right. like our toddlers do when we put it on the refrigerator. 
Right. So if they like rolled up our Stephen Hawking's our most intelligent human on Earth yeah. right. to, to the aliens, and he can do you know astrophysics calculations in his head. Right. Like, oh look, like little Timmy put that on the fridge last week. You know, so like the difference in intelligence that we should expect to find in that yeah, it's like difference in DNA would be interesting. The analogy yeah. of like the like us sending out the prime numbers like that we've recognized are important, and it's just like yeah. the analogy would be like if like a toddler sent out like oh the circle goes in the circle hole. Nice job. Yeah. I I have this idea that one possibility is like maybe uh, aliens think we're cute and they want us to be pets. Um, and the the question like we would like oh like I'm not just gonna be a dog, but that's not how it would work. Like when you throw a ball, a dog thinks a dog thinks it's like doing something really important. So they would like yeah. hand us like really hard stuff to do, right. but to yeah, them right. it's just busy work. Right. And they would just be like hey we we need you to do this. And we'll give you this alien stuff. And we're like, whoa, like we're so important. <laughs> but like, we would just yeah. be like their pet. We'll feed yeah, you. they would tell us to record a podcast and we'd be like, we're on it. Yeah, we're here. <laughs> Boy, this is fun. <laughs> Do you see the background they gave me? It looks like I'm in space. <laughs> How am I doing? Good, really yeah. good. Good boy, good boy. I also <laughs> good think podcast. What, what you said is really interesting, Dale, because I would say... Einstein's like one of those people where it's like I wish we could go back and study that guy a little bit more because mm -hmm. most um, scientific discoveries are you just observe something and go that's weird and then you understand it a little better but he is completely unique in that he just basically developed an entire framework of math and physics that are very difficult to observe and made a bunch of predictions that are very, like, we had not observed yet. Like, he just basically came up with all of it on his head with, like, one tiny little assumption that you could observe. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, people are like, this is crazy. It sounds crazy. Even when you meant to talk about now, oh, time is, like, relative and stuff like that. And then one by one, they verified every single one. So, like, a mind like that is, like, that's one in every, uh, you know, I don't know how many people there have been, but like 10 billion or something like as far as humans go. Um, mm. And so it is interesting to think he's still mostly a person, <laughs> you know, like he's still yeah, pretty much right. the same to the rest of us. So if they are just slightly more intelligent, man, that's that's hard to even think about. Unimaginably different. Yeah. Right. So I've, I'm running low on time, so I just want to okay. say one more thing. Okay. Which is kind of a, I, that's actually a very positive note we could probably end on. And we started with theory of relativity, ended with Einstein, so it's kind of like a good little button up. So maybe we should end <laughs> there. But um, I wanted to like one of the conversations we had also in the past was like how uh, kind of evolution will leave traces of it's like you know you'll have vestigial organs or features of a human will will like stick around based on what you needed in the past or like your organism needed in the past and just pass it on and it's like we have fear we have innate fear of like long slender like pale faces with like dark eyes and you know it's just like like universally just like frightening to humans and it's just like you can theorize that like what was in our past that was 
beneficial for humans to develop a fear <laughs> of that face when they recognize it or stuff like the uncanny valley is like if you look if you research that it's like humans identify uh -huh. human like objects as very distrustful or like very scary to them it's like what in our past imitated humans or had those like pale long faces that created that fear and instilled in us and uh you know. I thought you said it was a positive note. <laughs> no, I said it was going to be a. If we ended there, it was going to be a positive note. But uh, I was going to take it on a very negative note. <laughs> to end. I would say scary. there is a less scary. Um, I agree that is very creepy. But I think there's a less scary explanation, which is that one of the other hominids that because there were many, uh, was just kind of a dick, um, and so if you just avoided that one you were better off. And mm -hmm. so it would look very similar uh, to us. But different. But Which, slightly different. I mean, that was the case, right? Wasn't there like homo I don't. We don't necessarily know like how much competition there was between them. Yeah. But it, I think it's like a legitimately likely possibility that that homo sapiens like wiped out homo erectus or one of the other, one of the other homos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, homophobia. <laughs> <laughs> that's the uncanny valley. <laughs> I mean, that's quite literally what it is. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, All right. All right. Good episode. Good one. Yeah. Thanks for doing less. Thanks for listening.